Welcome back to Me TV Reviews. I am your host, Mo, and today, y'all, we are going to be wrapping up the fall of the House of Usher. Yes, y'all, season one, episode eight, titled The Raven. Y'all know this is one of Edgar Allan Poe's most famous pieces of literary work as well. So I'm super excited to see how this one ends. Oh my goodness. Y'all, this has been quite the journey. All of the kids are gone at this point. Roderick and Maddie, well, it seems like maybe their time is coming to an end as well, okay? But I'm curious to see what's going to happen. And if anybody's going to survive, maybe if we get another season. All right. So without further ado, let's get into the synopsis and then get right into the episode. So the synopsis for this one is in 1980, Roderick and Madeline seize a chance to cement their fortune for a price. Decades later, the remaining ushers reckon with the consequences. It's going to be good, y'all. It's going to be good. All right, so that's exactly where we pick up, you guys. Right where we left off with the last one. And that is Roger laying on the ground. And Verna coming and saying, oh, baby. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I cannot accept your letter of resignation. Okay, you can't tap out that easy. So far... This year, Roderick, has been about 85,000 deaths. Overall, since 1985, almost a million deaths. And that's only in the U.S. And that's only what's on record. But we know that there are many more than that. And there are countless others who are still among the living but are addicted to the pills that you put out. Ligodon. Okay? You're going to have to reap what you sow. Now, I couldn't let you go out that easy, okay? A number has been set on both ends. And your sister, why she thought she could pull a fast one on me, okay, can find a loophole she thought she was smart enough to try to see if she could kill you then maybe she could readjust the terms and conditions of the contract but oh no 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 that's not how this works it's bad faith all right so we hear some bells clinking again and she says that it is the opening bell for fortunato which means more lives are going to be lost today as long as Ligodon is still on the market. And then the wall crumbles and we realize that Roderick is hallucinating. So when he comes back, okay, and he gets to his feet, y'all, he is frightened again by the sinister jester. And then we go to Lenore, you guys. Lenore is at the house with Maury and the police are there, okay? They're coming to inform her of her father's untimely demise. And Arthur is there to kind of coach her along, him Reaper. And so she already gave a statement prior to him coming. Um, and because of that, he's telling her that that statement is no longer valid or it's not going to be admissible because they know that they can't question a minor or get a statement from a minor without an adult being present, okay? And so she was like, okay, and so what? I'll give them another one, okay? I know what happened. My dad mutilated my mom <clears throat> and abused her, and I, that's what I told him. I told him the truth. And so he was like, yeah, but don't you want your dad to die with a name that is dignified and one of respect? And she says, no. Okay, I want to tell the truth. I know what he did to my mom. And so he was like, okay, well, how about I talk to your mom? And once I talk to your mom, you know, she knows 
enough about the company to where she'll basically come around and she'll uh, excuse what Freddie did because that's what's best for the company. We always do what's best for the company. She was like, you know what? I'm going to make another statement just because you told me not to, and I'm going to tell them the truth again, okay? And if you try to go and talk to my mama, that's going to be the last thing that you do, okay? <laughs> Over my dead body, you effing ghoul. That's what she calls me, y'all. <laughs> she storms off to give another statement to the police. Go ahead, Lenore. You do that. So Pim Reaper comes back to her, uh, back to Roderick and informs him of Lenore and <laughs> her decision to give a statement in spite of his legal advice. And he was like, well, you know where she got it from, right? So just then, here comes Maddie. She says, well, this is awkward. Of course it is, didn't you? You, you thought that I was dead, right? And so he tells her about what happened, okay? And then... She, they end up breaking the news to him that the board had to meet and because she thought that Roger was going to be dead then of course somebody had to step up in his absence and what better person than her I mean she's been around since the conception of Fortunata well Roger taking it over that is so yeah she said the math was math and okay my mouth just worked better along with a little bit of mercy it was both okay just take this for what it is it's probably for the best anyway he was like yeah whatever all right let me subscribe to your newsletter okay how dare you you snake and so just then we hear augie cut in and he is saying that when they found out that Madeline had literally tried to go behind her brother's back and sneak the company from him, that's when they knew that it was time to strike. They had Roderick right where they wanted him, and they had him on a silver platter. And so, um, you know... He was like, okay, I guess that's what you want. And he was like, no, what I want is justice. Well, what does justice look like, Augie? I don't know, okay? My my boss said to stop because, I mean, at this point in time, they wanted to show a little bit of mercy to you. You had lost your kids and you done lost your company. What more can happen? But I, for me, I want justice, and I guess I'll know it when I see it. Yes, you will. And so then he goes on to say that... um because the phone keeps ringing it's Lenore and Augie mentions how he's always saying that Lenore along with Annabelle are the best ushers in the family but although he says that he keeps ignoring her phone calls and so he was like you know I <laughs> me and Tamerlan are one and the same in that way because we outsource our intimacy and so he goes on to tell the story of what happened after the fallout with Augie and why him and Annabelle split, okay, after they had split, she had received custody of the kids and Roderick being the spiteful person that he was, he couldn't stand to lose. Even if it meant robbing his kids of a childhood of love, of laughter, of joy. Once they got of age, he says, he bribed them with money with opportunity with appetite okay you gotta feed their appetite and so of course once they got of age they made the decision to go with Roderick and because she had lost custody of her kids Annabelle well she couldn't stand that she couldn't live without them and so once he said that I assumed that maybe she could she offed herself okay um she unalived herself because she couldn't stand to be without her kids but when the kids came with him, he realized what he had done, okay? He robbed them of being kids and replaced them with the monsters that they became. Little hymns. <laughs> he took their moral compass, 
okay, and replaced it with sinister motives, ulterior motives, greed, hunger, power, fame, all of those things, right? So, um, as he's saying this, he mentions that he had saw Annabelle at the funeral and she was sitting in the back. And so he got up and he was asking her just how in the world is she there? Because we know that she is no longer of this world. But since he's hallucinating, I mean, everybody is mixing and mingling like it's Hallow's Eve all day long. So she tells him, she tells him off, really. Like, people always ask why they went with you, how they could go with you. And she would just tell people that he was rich. Okay, and said she said that for the longest time she thought that he was a rich man like rich in character rich in heart rich in all of those good ways but after the kids uh started leaving and once they would visit her or every time she saw them she realized that less and less of her characteristics um, when she saw them again, were showing up with them. And so she was like, you know, you you siphoned the love, the joy, the, the laughter, the happiness that they were supposed to have as kids and replaced it. What did you replace it with, Roderick? Because I know you weren't rich, but now I see you. I see the poverty in you. That's deep. Woo! Y'all, he can't, he can't stand it. He looked like he was on the verge of tears, y'all. And so she says, maybe, maybe this was a, a mercy thing. Maybe they died when they were kids, okay? And they just were replaced with whatever you filled them up with as they grew older. But I see you, okay? And so then she walks away, and as he watches her walk away, we notice that there is a big old gaping hole in the back of her head. So I'm, I don't think she took herself out, but the question is, what actually did happen to Annabelle Lee? Because he said that she couldn't live with the kids, but usually if you're going to die by suicide, Especially if you're a woman, most of the time you're not going to shoot yourself in the back of the head. And I didn't see any wounds on the front. So how did that happen? Questions that need answers. So we get a flashback of Roderick walking into the house, I guess after he had got bonded out from jail. And Annabelle is like, what the hell? Roderick, what did you do? Okay. And he says that he did what he had to do. She says, you were supposed to be a hero for this family. You lied to Augie. Again, he says that he did what he needed to do for the family. And so he says that he excuses everything that he did and tries to say that Augie was naive to believe that he was going to go ahead and ride out a, a company like Fortunato, you know, he should have saw this coming, okay? And so she was like, well, if you had him believing, you had me believing too, so what does that make me? And he was like, oh, I'm not talking about you. Okay, well, how come you're not? And she was like, you know what? I need to go, okay? Because I don't, I don't know who you are anymore. I don't know who this is standing in front of me you are not the man that i i fell in love with okay you are not the guy that i thought you were i basically made up the man that i wanted you to be the ideal man of you in my head so i need to go and so that's exactly what she ended up doing and then we come back to the present where he's saying Another poem about Annabelle Lee and how, you know, the moon shines on her face and he he's able to lay down and wake up with her each day, um, his beautiful bride, okay? And as he's saying this poem, she's going up to the front of the cathedral 
and she's weeping for her kids she's sad for her kids and what has happened to them as she places an individual hand on each casket oh it's sad y'all and so then he walks out and we are up to speed okay we are caught up to the beginning episode where he walks out of the church and he gets ready to get in the car but then he sees the sinister jester he falls back and of course his nose is bleeding by this time maddie rushes over and tells arthur to go get a bus and get him admitted to the hospital under um, a different name you know don't don't let anybody know who this is so of course right away and so we come back to to roderick and augie okay he was like okay all of that is fine and good again i'm sorry for your loss but there are no more bodies left to count okay all of the kids are gone and you said that you wanted to confess so it's time it's time it's time for you to confess roderick what did you do and so he was like you sure you don't want to have a, a sip of something with me and he was like no and he was like i'm sh i sure wish that i would have said that same thing and we get a flashback to 1980 to when roderick uh had lied to the feds about what was going on at fortunato and all of their misdealings and the company is having their new year's eve party and of course we figure out who the sinister jester is because here he comes walking through the door after maddie and roderick appear at this party y'all it is none other than grizz grizz is the sinister jester and he is so delighted to see roderick okay he basically saved all of our asses we owe we owe our jobs to him okay this is the guy this is the man all hell roderick okay and so he's singing all of roderick's praises saying how he's finna get all these different promotions and all this stuff and whatnot and then after the crowd disperses him maddie and roderick decide to go have a drink well what happens is is he again is singing roderick's praises amongst the three of them and how he's going on and on about how roderick is going to have his own office right next to grizz's that's right he even called the construction company and told them to go ahead and make a separate blueprint do a different blueprint so roger could have an office right next to his see i told you you're gonna be moving up when i shine you shine baby okay just like that so as he's saying that y'all <laughs> and he's got his attention off of maddie she is slowly but surely pouring something in a cup and um she's offering him up something to drink so after Grizz has rambled enough, he decides to celebrate, okay? Let's have a drink, a toast. But Maddie is already ahead of him, and she hands him his cup. Now, I'm not sure if it's something in the wine. I'm not sure if it's something in the bottle. I I don't know, y'all. So, <laughs> uh, Roderick ends up excusing himself to go to the bathroom and when he turns around to look at them he sees grizz all up on maddie maddie whispering in his ear and then next thing you know we see maddie and grizz going down to the basement of the new building okay and so grizz is telling her how this is going to be the foundation for the new building he's super excited about it um he can't wait to start off the new year with the bang and He's got her up against the wall and says, you know, you can scream as loud as you want. Ain't nobody going to hear down here. She was like, you promise? Oh, yeah, baby, I promise. And so then she uh, she pushes him off, okay? Maybe she likes it a little, little dirty, a little kink kink, okay? On the dominatrix side. So she pushes him over to another piece of, like, uh, construction that's, that's there where he can sit down on it. 
And remember, y'all, he's got this jester suit on. So she pushes him down and she tells him, you know, if you can make it over here to where I am, you can do whatever you want to me. Oh, okay. Enough said. So he gets up, he tries to walk, but he stumbles. All right. He stumbles again. And she's telling him how he's such a big, powerful, strong man. Ooh, I can't wait till you get over here. But he doesn't make it. He passes out. Okay, when he comes to, he is chained to a board with his hands upright. Okay. Um, and they are sealing him in. He's, they're sealing him in this bricked tomb. Literally. Okay. So, they're almost halfway done. And he's like, did y'all drug me? And so they basically lay out their devious plan, which is to leave him here. You thought she was going to sit up here and try to frame my brother? Have him take the fall for what this company did? Okay. Yes, he did lie to the feds. Yes, he did go ahead and take uh, the brunt of what was coming to you guys this go around. But it's not, it's not a guarantee that they will not try to come again but how dare you sit up there and try to have my brother take the fall for something that you guys intentionally did after you tried to play him like you did at first and so he's going on and on about how he's sorry um he wants to get out of there at first he didn't think that they he thought that they were playing at first and then once he realized they were serious he offered them three million dollars initially and then he offered them three million dollars a piece oh, okay you don't want that okay well you know i i could offer you a promotion roderick you you basically become the face of this company okay you could be the ceo madeline you could be the coo or wh whatever position you want to choose you can have it it's yours it may take some time for you to get there but nonetheless, it'll be yours, okay? Please just let me out. And so they say, no, okay? The plan is for us to seal you up in here. You got about an hour with that candle, okay? And then what we'll say to the company is, well, he uh, he went out for a couple of drinks. He went to a beach on an island where there's no extradition. Okay, he just up and ran away. He didn't want to, you know, be exposed to any more heat after the feds let him loose this go around after he didn't get charged with anything so he wants to make sure that he stays that way and he's gonna stay away and so <laughs> it is what it is y'all they seal him up in there but before they do madeline ends up labeling one of the bricks and the brick is saying that he is small and not only that, but she also says, you may want to throw this on because it's going to get dark in about an hour. Now, I'm not sure why they put the, she ends up putting his gesture, his gesture mask back on his face. Now, again, I'm not sure why she did that, but she said that candle is going to go out in about an hour and ain't nobody going to be back until next week. And can't nobody hear you scream down here, so... I mean, he's basically a dead man. Wow, that was crazy. So she ended up putting cyanide in the wine, and she's surprised that he couldn't taste it. But hell, <laughs> what was she to expect when he couldn't, you know, recognize the difference between sherry and whatever wine that was really supposed to be or whatever she said? Again, she's always the smartest person in the room, right? That's going to be her downfall. So, Roger was like, okay, well, what next? Well, she says that um, she can always tell the feds or the cops if they come asking that she messed around with them. And then after that, he ran off and did some coke and then went, went somewhere else. Okay, but after that, you know, they, they want to go lay low somewhere where they can be seen. That way they can have an alibi. And so that's exactly where they go. They go to the bar that we find them at, at the beginning of the show. And at this point, the bar has closed down. 
and they're having this conversation with Verna and Madeline is saying how um, she was initially going to get with this guy but he was putting all these requirements on her um, in order for her to have the luxurious things in life the finer things in life when he was a nasty a nasty man okay so she was like no if i'm gonna have to sacrifice who i am and what i stand for for a man hell no i'd rather not okay and so then they get off into the conversation of well what would you what what would you do like what what is your disqualifier, okay? <laughs> what What is your your draw the line in the sand uh, boundary? And so Roderick was like, I don't think I have one. <laughs> Whoa, red flag. <laughs> and so um, Madeline kind of goes along with that as well. Not to the full extent of her saying that she doesn't have uh, a boundary, but I mean, uh, do, you got an example, okay? <laughs> I ease. So she was like, wow, you guys are, y'all are some killers. Y'all are some real killers. And then she goes on to mention how, no, y'all are for real deal killers. I mean, I know that you guys <laughs> killed Grizz tonight, okay? You, you sealed him up, left him there to die. Oh, and by the way, you guys, his jester's hat, that's where that tingling, that, that tingling sound comes from. The bells tingling, tinkling, not tingling, tinkling comes from. And that's why <clears throat> Roderick is always in the basement looking at that particular uh, section of brick wall. Because that's where Grizz, Grizz's body is, essentially. Okay, so he's haunted by that. So anyway, she says, what if I told you that you could get away with this tonight? Okay, because I know that y'all only came in here looking for an alibi. What if I told you that you could have anything that you wanted in this life, but at a price? And so that was like, what you talking about, lady? Like, they're looking at her sideways now. Okay, well, just consider this luck meeting opportunity okay this is your lucky night because i'm willing to give you everything that you want with no legal repercussions and so that's why every time Augie went after roderick he couldn't touch him because of the deal that he made with Vernon that night so she says i could give you everything that you want no legal repercussions you could be um, you know, living a life of luxury, whatever you want. You can give the money away. You can be altruistic. You would never have to worry again about where your next meal is coming from. The only thing is, if you have kids or if you have that bloodline, right before you die, your, your bloodline is going to be wiped out. What do you say to that? And so, Roger was like, well, what, what do you mean? And so she says, you know, your kids could live a life of luxury. They would never have to want for anything. They could have everything that they want, have the impact on this world that you choose, okay? The world is your oyster. But when it's time for the curtain to fall, everybody is going to take a bow. And she throws in the stipulation that since him and Maddie came into this world together. They will go out together. So when Roderick dies, she dies too. Now she just went on about how she doesn't really want to live by the rules of another man telling her what to do. But here this opportunity is being presented to a man. Now, albeit it's her brother and she loves him dearly, but yet and still is still a man. And so she's got to live life at the end by his rules. Okay. So she explains to them, wouldn't you rather have your kids have everything that they ever wanted, ever dreamed of versus living um, 
maybe an extra 10, 20 years if they're lucky, um, but living a life of struggle, of poverty, of tribulation, of suffering. And so she ends up asking Verna, well, how long is Roderick going to live? And so she, she ends up saying, she doesn't give an age. She says that Roderick will outlive any usher man that has lived before, but no age. Okay. So Roderick was like, hell yeah. Okay. Maddie says, uh, okay, sounds like a deal. And then Roger was like, it's a done deal. And so she says, okay, normally we would kind of seal these deals with a blood pact or spit or something like that and follow it up with something else later. But a deal is a deal any way that you slice it. So they're going to drink from this very fancy alcohol that has been uh, aged for over a hundred years. It's the same bottle that Roderick is drinking from that he tries to present to Augie to drink from as well. Okay. And so she ends up saying, look, this is it. Okay. You ain't even got to worry about a tab. As far as the alibi goes, you'll never have to worry about being persecuted or prosecuted or anything like that. You're good. Okay. You're going to have everything that you want from this day forward. Now, you might want to get you some rest because, I mean, it's going to move fast after this. And she tells him or tells them that they can drink from this bottle on the best day of their life or the last day of their life before they go to meet their maker. And so, uh, well, I take that back. And so, Roger had ended up asking her, is this kind of like you're offering us all of this in in exchange for our souls and she was like Psh. souls <laughs> are you joking like that's a joke right <laughs> those things don't exist and even if they did you you pieced that off when you were uh, layering those bricks to to seal in old grizz over there <laughs> so she gets up and leaves and Maddie is like, oh, we need to settle. We need to settle the, I guess, the tab. And she was like, it's already settled, baby. It's done. And she walks out, right? So then by the time they're getting ready to come out the club, out the bar, it's like the wee hours of the morning. We can see the sun creeping through, okay? And so they're talking to each other like, man, that, that was a really loopy lady. She's She was pretty crazy, kind of out of it. Do you think that she was legit and what she was saying to us do you think that deal was real and before they can even get in the car y'all they turn around to look back at the bar one more time and the bar is no longer it disappeared and it becomes what they see in the future which is just a graffitied rundown closed uh location so i would say that yes she was very real so Roger ends up telling Augie that for the next couple of days, things just kind of seemed like a weird dream to him, okay? Um, him and Maddie had got so paranoid that they mentally decided to block out what happened to Grizz, figured that none of it was real, but they never heard of any questions they never heard from any cops nobody ever came looking nobody ever found Grizz's body but things did move the way that she told them that they would okay um the work began he got promoted and became the face of fortunato and well the rest is history so then Augie says well you said that Arthur had found this woman, right? And so he was like, yeah, he found her. So then we see Verna getting ready to walk into the house. And when she does, she's immediately hit with, uh, I'm assuming, a tranquilizer or something that's lethal. And she starts to quiver. She immediately falls to the floor and Pim reaper wraps her body up in a tarp and tapes it down 
So as he's making the phone call to his man outside saying that the the, the pickup is ready, meaning Verna's body, <laughs> she starts to laugh. Definitely was not expecting that to happen. <laughs> and so she was like, you know, I, it's so funny. Like I had to see it for myself. Your guy's been waiting outside for me to come for the last two days and so i was like well shoot f it all right let's just go ahead and get the show on the road i've heard so much about you arthur and so they sit down and they start to have conversation about what's happening and she gives him the fortune of fortunato after uh roderick and maddie are no longer she says that the company will go bankrupt um and settle for four point something billion dollars that's going to be paid out over time within a nine year span. Now, I'm wondering if now I know Verna said that the whole line is going to be knocked out. Is Lenore included in that? Because that is so awful. She didn't do anything to deserve that. I don't know, but anyway. So she gives him the fortune of Fortunato and she says, you know, you've been doing really well for yourself. And she says, she mentions the um, the exploration trip that he took around the world, okay? And how he saw a lot of things. And she mentions a couple of victims that I'm sure fell fell upon him because of what they were doing to them okay there was a person that was in the desert there was that woman in the arctic and then there was somebody else that i believe maybe the people that pim reaper was with maybe cannibalized and ate off of this said person but pim reaper never took took uh part in that okay he just kind of stood back and watched it happen sort of similar to what's been happening with Roderick and Maddie, okay? You have this ill-conceived notion that you will be immune to prosecution, but it is just them, okay? It's a it's a reflection, but that's that's not that's not given to you. That's not one of your perks. And so she says, "Look, when all of this fades and Fortunato will fade, it's, it's, it's imminent, okay? What's going to happen to you? And so she makes him a deal and she mentions how Camille kept a foul on everybody, him included. And I mean, she didn't really find much, but just the stuff that she did find could land him in a nice, uh, you know, nine by nine or eight by eight cell. <laughs> for the rest of his life ideally essentially right and um she's like you know i can i can make that foul disappear if you want me to okay it's up to you you just you gotta give me something you gotta give me an acid and i ain't talking about the material things i'm not talking about a house i'm not talking about money i'm not talking about a boat you don't have any family. You don't have a wife. You don't have kids. Um, you don't have any family ties that you truly cherish. So what asset can you give me? And he doesn't name what he actually values. But what he does say is that that would be considered leverage if he did give that up. And in his 70 years of living... He ain't been leveraged by nobody. And if it's all the same to her, he would continue to want to live that way, if that's okay with her. And so she was like, okay, fair enough. It's your decision. Okay, but just know that when the smoke clears, you may be seeing all of this crumble from a cell, a jail cell, or you can get away scot-free. And so he has chosen not to make a deal with Verna, the the devil. And she walks over to him, kneels down, puts her hand on his cheek and says that this has been a pleasure. And 
he comes he comes back from this i don't know apparition hallucination as if this was all a dream verna is no longer there y'all but it seems like pim reaper might have made a wise decision so as lenore is helping him get ready for bed she's trying to figure out just where in the world is juno shouldn't your wife be here and so he goes on to explain that she's probably in the four seasons somewhere okay and then after that she's probably going to be at a clinic he just can't i don't know if he's still not able to take responsibility for the part that he played and why she doesn't want to be with him anymore or maybe he's just not ready to acknowledge that she asked him for a divorce but either way he tells lenore that she's not going to be there and so she was like, I don't know why you decided to come back home, okay? You should have stayed at the hospital to let them check you out some more and make sure that everything is okay. And he was like, oh, no, you know, I've had my fair share of staying in the hospital. Like, um, I don't want to spend another night in the, ho- in the hospital. So as he's getting ready for bed, he tells her that, um, you know, someday all of this will be yours. And I'm like, how? Because bloodline wiped out. Roderick, what what did you not understand about that? And so he was like, well, you know, one day all of this will be yours. And she was like, you know what, Grandpa? Grandpa, honestly, if you leave it to me, I'm going to tell you this with love, okay? We need to step away from this. Maybe it's good that you, uh, that you step away from the company. It, it's been causing our family too much stress, too much misery, too much heartache. As of late, we have way more money than we could ever dream of more than we know what to do with. We don't even need all of that, okay? It's not too late to turn it around and do some good with some of the fortune that we've been blessed with. It's not too late to make a change for the better. And so he reminds her, again, that he doesn't want her to leave. He wants her to stay, um, that she can stay the night. And she was like, Grandpa, I'm already ahead of you, okay? I'm already making my way. And so she did, okay? She was getting ready for bed. And y'all, when she was getting ready to walk into that guest room, she saw Lenore sitting on the side of the, not Lenore, Verna, sitting on the side of the bed. And initially she was taken aback and she asked her who she was. And she was like, it's okay. You know, you don't, you don't have to be afraid. Just come. Let me, let me talk to you real quick. Let me tell you a story about your mom. And so she goes on to tell her the story about the impact that Maury is going to make on the world. And she tells her that she loves her job. She loves what she does. But this by far is something that she does not take pleasure in. And she indulges her with this story of Maury and how um, she goes on to do well at the clinic she gets treatment um within three years she has over 100 skin grafts she gets a little bit of cosmetic surgery and boom maury is not like new but maury is back to feeling like maury more so than she has in the last few years but not only that but she gains a small fortune from fortunato's uh downfall and she uses that money to not only uh start a nonprofit but she actually gives majority of it away but with the nonprofit that she starts it's called Lenore's uh foundation or something like that she says that she goes on to help so many people that are victims of domestic abuse and violence and she asked her, does she want to know how many lives her mom's, her mom touches? And so she goes on to say that within that first year of her starting the nonprofit, of course, it's a couple of dozens. Um, but within five years, it's over half a million people. And by the first decade, over a million people have been positively affected by what Maury did. And... At that point, it's hard to keep count of how many other people have been blessed because 
those people that have been helped by, by more go on to help other people who help other people who help other people so on and so forth the gift that keeps on giving right and so she says you know all of that trickles back down to the fact that you made one incredibly courageous decision that impacted millions of lives. You decided to stand up against your father, go against his wishes, call and get your mom help, put her in a place for treatment and get her better. And so because of that one decision, you affected so many lives. So take comfort in knowing that you you kickstarted all of that. And so again, she tells her that it doesn't bring her any pleasure to do this. And just like most parents do with their kids, eventually at some point in their young, young lives, she takes her finger and she kind of like rubs it down the middle of Lenore's forehead, which causes her to go to sleep. And she dies, y'all. She dies. So then we go back to Roderick and Augie, and he he's telling Augie that he has indeed saw Verna. Okay, so we know that death is imminent at this point. Um, however, Lenore is already deceased. And so Augie was like, what? No, you can't be talking about your granddaughter. She's been texting you all night. I've been here hearing your phone go off. And he was like, no, that's the AI version that Madeline used her for as the prototype for her AI, her AI invention. Okay. She used Lenore and like her social medias to kind of gain different outlets to input for Lenore's character for her AI person, okay? So the AI person has been, excuse me, texting me all night. However, she's been sending me the same message over and over again. And so he shows Augie what it is. Y'all, why does that message say nevermore? Over and over and over and over. And so Roderick starts to repeat, recite some of the lines from the famous poem, The Raven, but he puts his own flavor on it and kind of puts it where it's relatable to this situation that he's going through. And as he's reciting the poem, we see him go in there and discover Lenore's body. He sees the raven. He follows the raven into um, the, the grand room Okay, spots the raven in different spots. He sees Lenore land on the ground. And then he makes his way back to his office. Y'all, I think Roderick's time is nearing. Where in the hell is Madeline? I'm inclined to believe that she's really in the basement at this point. So Roderick takes it back to the office and he says, I guess this is where we'll meet, huh? We're, We're finally getting to the end, huh? And as he says that, all of his children's corpses and his granddaughter pop up. Yes, okay, it is nearing the time. The time has come. And so he goes on to excuse all of the decisions that he made that resulted in where they are now regarding their deaths, Fortunato and the fortune that they came to know while they were still living. And he says, you know, he created the idea that pain would be no more when he created Ligodon, okay? He made all of their aches, their pains, and their troubles go away in the blink of an eye, but they they just wanted more and more and more talking about consumers, okay? He could not feel their insatiable appetite for more but he did what he can or he did what he could and so of course here comes verna and she tells him oh come on stop it okay look who's here okay you ain't got a lot of kick it craig okay we know the truth and so as he looks out she says you know (laughs) 
I've done some work with a lot of very influential people. And by far, shall I say that your body count is perhaps in the top five, the most impressive. Okay. And so as he's standing by the window, we start to see these raindrops form that are not really raindrops. They're actually symbolic of all of the people that have died using ligodone. These are his victims or people that have become addicted to ligodone. All of his victims, it's raining bodies left and right. Okay. She tells him to look out and look at all of the mayhem that he has caused. All of the chaos, all of the carnage, all of the ruined lives. This is the true legacy that you leave behind. And so she tells him that the time is almost near, okay? But she wants him to do one more thing. She wants him to call August Dupin and bring him to the house. And so that's exactly what... He does, and that's why they are there sitting in the dilapidated house that looks like it's about ready to fall apart at any given moment. That's why they've been sitting there the entire night, okay? And so, as he's talking to Augie, y'all, we start hearing that thumping noise again, and Augie is like, hey... Now, I know you said Madeline is down there, okay, but uh, what happened? And so he says, oh, I, I believe that that's Madeline down there. And we get a flashback to, I guess, maybe earlier in the night when Madeline came walking through the door. She came looking for Roderick, but he was downstairs in the basement, okay? So when she comes down there, she notices that he has moved a lot of her Egyptian stuff from the office to there because this is going to be their resting place. This is going to be their tomb. And since Maddie believed in the afterlife so much, well, he figured that it would be fitting for a queen, for a goddess, to have all of her stuff here. Okay, so let's go ahead and prepare. And he says that... Um, Verna requested that he get Augie there one more time. Um, but before he does that, she wanted, I guess, him and Maddie to have a one last conversation to wrap up whatever they're going to wrap up. And so, I mean, you know, while Roderick may feel a way about it, honey, <laughs> Madeline? Oh, Madeline, baby. She is going to go out swinging. And she goes on this diatribe about how, at the end of the day, there's no need for her to ever feel ashamed or for them to ever feel ashamed of the decisions that they made because while they created Ligodone, there were monsters that were asking for them to do so, okay? And she gives all of the different issues that are now presenting in the world um misappropriating funds for things that don't seem necessary instead of giving it to people that actually need it okay or to departments that actually need it like the healthcare department versus spending all of that money on men trying to figure out how to keep their peens harder for longer periods of time and fix erectile dysfunction, we could be using that money towards other things. Women are losing autonomy over their bodies, okay? Um, it's just a lot. Single plastic use. The world is getting warmer and warmer, telling us to consume all of this stuff, fast food, with the steroids, People want these clothes that are produced by third world countries when they, goodness, could never even think of buying even just a few pieces of the clothing that they make. They couldn't afford it. 
Okay, there are so many other pressing issues wrong with the world. So don't you dare feel ashamed for the impact that we had because we created painkillers when this is what they wanted all along. Okay, they created us. They created the monsters that we are. That's because they asked for it. So if we're going to meet whatever maker, we're going to go out swinging with our heads held high because I'm Madeline effing Usher. And so by the time she's finished with her speech, y'all, it was a good speech. I enjoyed it. And although she is a villain, I have to respect the fact that she's going to tell you straight up what it is. Okay, now she might go about some crooked ways to get where she want to go, but she going to tell you what it is if you ask her. Okay, Um, and so by the time they finished their conversation and she done sipped her drink because Roderick offered her a drink and she was like, sure, why the F not? She goes to stand up and y'all, she started to get a little woozy. And she realizes that Roderick has given her the old okie doke the same trick that they used on Grizz is the same trick that he pulled on Madeline. And so he apologizes to her and he tries to give her the burial that is fit for a queen to send her off into the afterlife just right. Okay. And so he pulls out all of the special tools that she had ordered that little piece that they stuck up the Egyptians' noses when they when they were doing during the mummification process. Oh, he pulled that out. He pulled out the little thing to to like um, pull out her eyeballs and replace them with those sapphires that he had brought for her. Okay, he knew the time was coming, and so he's done got her ready, right? <laughs> And so we come back to Roderick and Augie upstairs and Augie is like, what did you do to her? And he was like, I I made, I gave her a burial fit for a queen, fit for a goddess. And so Augie was like, fool, did you make sure that she was dead? Because we still hear thumping going on downstairs. And he was like, uh, I didn't think about that. Well, maybe she's just getting used to the afterlife. You know, that's why I put all this stuff down there. She's just getting used to her new surroundings. It's because her ass can't see because you put them effing sapphires in place of her eyeballs, Roderick. And so, y'all, she is, she is, she been coming and, and trying to feel around for the damn steps and she finally found them, y'all. <laughs> So Augie keep looking towards the door. Roderick looking towards the door. I'm looking towards the door. Madeline, what's about to happen? And just then there's a jump scare, y'all. And Madeline comes out. Ah! She's pissed, okay? She is pissed at Roderick. How dare you? (laughs) And she goes straight... Oh, before we get to that, y'all, I forgot to mention that while Augie was asking about the status of Madeline, y'all, Roderick said that he did want to go ahead and and do a confession, okay? I did tell you that I was going to confess to murders. And let me just tell you, I knew exactly what I was getting into when I made that deal, okay? I knew that regardless of what we did, Even if we put the painkillers were going to be addictive on the bottle and they wouldn't kill pain at all at the end of the day because people are people, they were still going to buy them any damn way. (laughs) So Roderick knew all along what he was doing. He was another Grizz. A wolf in sheep's clothing, okay? Claiming that he wanted to get rid of people's pain. When he knew all in all that it wasn't doing anything but making people more addicted to the drug. Okay? So, as Augie is asking him, is Madeline really dead? He was like, oh no, she looking around down there. She trying to feel around and get used to her new surroundings. Y'all, Maddie done came up the steps and done found Roderick. 
sort of kind of like his mama did when she came back from the dead, right? Done found Roderick, put her hands around his neck, done start choking him. Y'all, the house started shaking. Augie hurry up and got the hell up out of there. He couldn't move fast enough. I was like, Augie, if you die up in here, I'm going to be so mad at you because you need to get up out of here. <laughs> and he did. He got out of there. And so he got out of there just in time and he ran out into the street. He turned around. And as soon as he turned around, the house literally started to fall. Their whole empire has failed. Wow, the house is so symbolic, right? To everything that they worked so hard for. They lived quite the life, though, while they were here, though, right? You can't take it with you no way. But damn, those morals? Ooh. Anyway. <laughs> So he's wrapping up and he's giving like the, uh, what they call it in books. He's giving the post updates to everybody that's left behind. Juno ended up taking over Fortunato. She completely dismantled it and all of the money that was left. She ended up starting rehabs with it for, um, you know, uh, rehabs and detox centers for, uh, people that are addicted to narcotics and all of that, which is great. Um, and then he also mentions how, um, what's his name? Pim Reaper. They ended up finding the file that Camille had had on him and they, he ended up getting arrested. Okay. And he got sentenced to basically like a life sentence. He ain't getting out. He's still in jail. They did not give an update on Maury, even though we know what the update is for her, but they didn't give an update on her. And then um, we see Augie wrapping up at the graveyard, and he pulls out the recording. He says, I have no use for this anymore. Okay, there's no point in a confession because, I mean, shoot, my whole case got... <laughs> Got blown to smithereens as soon as you died. Okay, so there's no need for this anymore. I That was my last case. I'm finna retire. And I'm gonna go home to my husband. I'm gonna go home to my kids. And I'm gonna go home to my kids' kids. Okay, I'm the richest man alive right now. And look where you at. Wow, it's so crazy. The things that we hold near and dear to us, the things that we cherish, is so different for everybody, okay? But you got to have a good compass. You got to have a good moral compass. And so he ends up going home, and um, then we see Verna. Verna is putting all of the significant pieces that represent each person that has died on top of their tombstones, um <laughs> Perry and his mask, Camille and her phone. Uh was it Freddie and his Coke? Jeez Louise. <laughs> um Leo and his Tinkerbell. His Tinkerbell uh collar for his kitty cat, Pluto. Um Maddie and her sapphires. Roderick and his cup, Vic and her heart uh, implant, her mesh implant, and Tamberlin and her Tamberlin and her gold book. And did I forget anybody, y'all? I think that's it. Perry, Camille, Leo, Vic, Freddie, Tamberlin. Yeah, I got everybody. And then she even put a feather down for Lenore, y'all. And they recited another poem at the end, and it was really good as well. I enjoyed it, and that's the way the season ends. The fall of the House of Usher. I wonder if they're going to do like a different anthology for another season. I really, really enjoyed this show, you guys. I really did. Um. Wow. Mm. I hope that the big wigs 
tune into some of these things um because i mean you know i know that it may be too late for some people but morally it's never too late to try to do the right thing so yeah that's it you guys i really enjoyed that show please let me know what you think okay you can reach me at me tv reviews on facebook and on instagram you can also reach me at my tv reviews podcast without the s on the end at gmail.com y'all i love y'all and i thank you guys so much for sticking with me through this show i know this show ended like (laughs) weeks ago because they put all the episodes out at once y'all I love y'all, but I, it's just not enough time in the day for me to go through all of the episodes at once. And then where would we be, okay? You would get all the reviews at once, and then what would you have to look forward to? Absolutely nothing until the next show. So this show held us over during the writer's strike, most of it anyway. All right? I love y'all. Thank you guys again so much for being so supportive and sticking and coming back to me week after week to listen to me rant and rave about the show if you have any other show suggestions please do not hesitate to reach out to me and give me some suggestions okay that's it all right y'all be safe out there keep your head on the swivel stay morally correct as much as possible (laughs) y'all so y'all don't end up like Roderick and maddie oh All right, y'all. Until we meet over the airwaves again, I am Mo, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.